You're listening to the Industry Alchemist podcast. The definition of alchemy is a seemingly magical process of transformation or creation. This podcast exists to hear the stories of entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders doing just that in their industry. We hear about the journey of the brave souls carving a new path, moving their industry and our lives forward in a seemingly magical way. This episode is brought to you by OfficeChief.com. Office Chief exists to make moving your office easy and painless. Moving an office can be a big hassle. On top of running your company, you're thrown into having to figure out what to do. Hire space planners, furniture companies, movers, IT consultants, the list goes on. It only takes two minutes to create a profile and Office Chief gives you a step-by-step action plan and connects you with the top vendors in your market. Moving your office? Log on to officechief.com and make it easy. I'm your host, Matt Brower, co-founder and managing broker of Column Commercial Partners, helping companies save money on their real estate. I'm also founder and CEO of OfficeChief.com, an online resource for businesses moving their office or updating their space. Appreciate you being on the show this morning. Yeah, I'm excited. Are we on? Like we're on, on? Yeah, so we'll, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll call okay. this the official start, yeah. So actually, and I was on your LinkedIn this morning, and I saw that you uh, you are quite an educated individual. You got your undergrad in marketing and business, and then later you got your MBA, uh, and then later you got your master's in psychology and communication. Is that right? That is right. And it was an interesting journey. Uh, my undergrad, I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud to the public. My undergrad I did because that's what you're supposed to do. So it wasn't a time in my life where I was excited about learning something and growing as an individual. It was like, oh, okay, I have to go to college. So I guess I'll do this easier major and just do marketing and and business. And because that came easy to me. So... Um, Then I got into the workforce and realized I really actually did love learning and I really did want to learn and know more about business. So I went back and got my MBA and then my husband and I started a company 10 years ago, 11 years ago now, that um, was for divorced parents raising kids together. And I realized that as, as with all startups, I was wearing multiple hats, doing the marketing, doing the sales, and also support. And I realized when people called in about the product and had a question, they actually also wanted to talk about their life and their oh, wow. end of their marriage and how they were feeling and what they should do with their kids. And I thought, you know, this is an opportunity for me to learn and grow and be able to support these people in a way that um, that really helps them. So I went back and got my master's in psychology and communication for that reason. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. And it served me very well. Everything I have done in my life, every um, job I've had, every experience I've had, every um, educational step I've taken has brought me to this place to serve people the way I'm serving them now in my current business. That's great. Yeah. And I'm uh, looking forward to getting more in, in, into that. I, I also got my marketing degree. I wanted to, I, for some reason, I always wanted to be a commercial real estate broker. I just made that decision when I was 16 years old. 
16. Yeah. You, even, you yeah. knew what it was at 16. I did. I, uh, I was a pizza cook my first job and, um, the, the, the manager wasn't going to let me have the night off to like go to the dance or something like that. And I thought, wow, I cannot work for somebody else. This does not, <laughs> I can't handle being told what, what I can and can't do. <laughs> so my dad was in commercial construction. I think maybe I got exposed to real estate and construction through that. And I decided, okay, what I want to, you know, I want to be successful to me at the time. I meant I want to make lots of money. I want flexibility with my time. And I somehow I arrived at commercial real estate broker. I said, oh, it would be cool to be the guy in the suit at the construction site. What is that job? So, um, so the degree I got, I decided, okay, what are, what are the, you know, supporting degrees that I can get to make a real estate career successful? I am not a finance guy. I cannot, I just, my brain doesn't work that way. It doesn't excite me. Uh, so I decided marketing was probably a good, good thing to major in. And the interesting thing about marketing for me is that it is so much psychology. That's what it is, human behavior and psychology. Yes, very much so. Absolutely. It's, that's a huge part of it. And also the ability to connect with people and yeah. get into their, um, their mindset, their space, and try to think about who they are and what drives them. Yeah. Also empathize with them. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, hear the, hear the problem before you try to sell a solution to it. Yes. Yes. Wouldn't that be interesting? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so after you, um, kind of got your education, it looks like you went through several jobs doing several things within marketing. And then that's when you took the leap and, and, uh, started co-families, uh, or supported co-families with Rob. And then, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So <laughs> I, I like to tell this story because um, I have this weird pride around the fact that my career started with Hewlett Packard when mm-hmm. Hewlett Packard was a great company to work for. So yeah. it, it does date me, but back in, in the 80s, <laughs> yeah. um, Hewlett Packard had the HP way. And to me, that's it was how I was indoctrinated into the corporate world. And that state has stayed with me forever because the focus was on such an amazing culture. It was such a rich culture, very focused on the employees and providing education. And it wasn't just training for the company. It was growth, personal growth. Mm. And, um, they just, they believed so much in the people that fueled the company. They put a lot of, of effort into the culture and it, and you could see it, it made a huge difference. So I have this weird pride that I, I started life at HP in the HP way. Yeah. Uh, and then I went to startups and that, that, those are the companies that you're talking about. I went to one startup and I was there for five years in Colorado Springs and then I had a baby and, and then I was at another startup that we uh, grew to the point where we were acquired by a Bay Area company. Yeah. The whole span of that was about 10 years. And then, um, and then I met Rob and he's an entrepreneur. Rob is my husband for those listening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he and I go is, way back. Uh, yeah. Through, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he and Matt know each other well. Yeah. Um, 
and and Rob is a serial entrepreneur, and he had just started the idea of of a company for divorced parents, and so I joined him in that, and we we launched that, and and uh, um, and you know, life as an entrepreneur, we kind of. Um, ran that for a little bit, and then he brought on another partner so that I could go and bring in a paycheck while we were doing the startup. Right. <laughs> and yeah. um, and and I was and uh, I've mainly been at the executive level in most of the startup companies that I've been working with, and I love that because I love growing people. I love also doing, and that's what you do at a startup. You wear multiple hats. So, Absolutely, I know that well. Yes, yes, and that's why we're talking today. All entrepreneurs are listening to this. They know the many, many hats that we all wear. Yeah, right. Um, so I, were there any any lessons, that anything that surprised you, any lessons you learned um, at co-families, at your first kind of entrepreneurial experience that you, know, you were able to take into now what you're doing? Absolutely. Besides working with your spouse. <laughs> yes. And, and I'll be honest. I, I said after that experience, I said, I never want to work with you again. And yeah, right. not because I don't love you, but because I do love you. And I don't yeah. want to have that be an issue in our lives and have it, like, have it just consume our entire lives. Um, That's uh, got to be hard. It's got to be really yeah. hard. To- yeah. Spoiler alert. We're working together again. So... <laughs> <laughs> we managed to figure out how to do that. So the lessons from co-families, there were several. I, I would say the biggest lesson was um, we were trying to be very altruistic. And I think that that is noble. And in that, we decided that we did not want to go work directly with lawyers who were dealing with conflict because we were really about trying to, to not create conflict, but to uh, mitigate conflict. between right, the family. Yeah. So we were looking to work with mediators and people who were really trying to create peace rather than create conflict. And I'm not saying all lawyers create conflict, but it's, um, we just didn't kind of want to go that route and be associated with that. So that was a big lesson. Um, that was a dumb thing for us to do <laughs> looking mm. back. Yeah. Um, that's where the money is. Uh, mediators don't have money. Uh, okay. Really want to charge the families that much because they're already in financial hardship. Yeah. In the of this process. Um, so that was lesson number one. You do have to go where the market is. You just do. Um, so really defining the target, uh, who your who your customer is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And while I liked that we were being altruistic about it, it it didn't serve anyone because we we didn't um, eventually keep the company alive because of it. So okay. and we had we had twenty thousand users. We had a lot of people on the system wow. without hardly any marketing. So um, so that was a big mistake on our part. Big. Mm. Uh, second thing I would say is we spent too much time in development and not enough time out in the field. So mm-hmm. we did listen to the to the market and bring back the um, the idea that uh, uh, bring back the feedback and build it into the product. But we didn't go get funding. 
we tried to bootstrap and that elongated our development process to the point where we just couldn't get things out fast enough. We really had one developer. We had one person contracting for us on the UI and we just, we couldn't iterate fast enough to get things out there. So those are pretty big stumbling blocks. Okay. Not great. Uh, Those are great lessons. I'm actually uh, working through that conversation for one of my projects right now. It's so, tough. It's yeah. tough. And if you've been a serial entrepreneur and you've raised money in the past, which Rob had, he's raised tens of thousands, hundreds of millions of dollars in his career. He really <clears throat> wanted to bootstrap and have a hundred percent of the company. And it also, as entrepreneurs, we all know that when you go raise money, that's like a full-time job. So it distracts you from, the business right. and cons to all of this. And, um, you know, looking back, I think we should have raised money at the time. It felt like the right decision to not raise right. money. Okay. So you're, um, want to jump into uh, serenity app. Um, when we first met, you kind of told me the story of how this came to be. And it's very, uh, it's just a great story and it shows the passion that you have for what you're doing now. Uh, can you, you know, share with the listeners what that, uh, as much as you want, what that was. Absolutely. And I'm kind of an open book about this because I think too many people keep these feelings inside. Um, end of life is a very difficult thing. And especially when you lose someone to Alzheimer's, where mm. they're still in front of you, but they're not. Right. Um, so that's why they call it the the long goodbye. It's a, a a long grieving process when the person is still right there with you physically, but not mm-hmm. mentally. Um, so my ten years ago, my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and my parents had a very traditional marriage where my mom took care of my dad most of their life, and slowly she couldn't do the things that she had always done. I am the only girl in the family. I have three amazing brothers, but because I'm the girl, my dad started to lean on me a little bit mm-hmm. to do some of the things that mom took care of. Um, just, just the logistical things, um, coordinating house cleaning, coordinating, getting things, uh, prescriptions picked up, getting them to the doctor, starting to really coordinate care for both of them. Right. And, about five years into that, we, we, as a family decided mom needed to go into memory care. So, um, mind you, while I'm doing all of this, I have a full-time job. I have a husband, I have three adult children who live with us. They were late teens at the time. Um, so I have a very full, busy life myself. And now I've added on this additional layer of care, which I did out fully out of love and had no issue doing it. Um, When I did transition them into a home, we first put mom into memory care. I thought, oh, I'm going to get some relief here. This is great. And what I learned and what a lot of people don't realize is, yes, you get relief on some level. And on another level, you get a whole new layer of work because now you have more people to communicate and coordinate with. You don't just put mom into memory care and you get to go visit every Sunday, you know, it used to be yeah, things get taken care of right now. Right. 
Right. And it used to be that that is how they were marketed because that's what the, the goal was, was to give family relief. Mm-hmm. It just, it doesn't work that way anymore. It's moving away from that hospitality model and more into a care partner model. And I probably, I'm an early adopter of everything. So I might be an early adopter here, but I bet there are some women around my age who are listening, who are saying, oh no, I did this very same thing. Um, I started looking at it with a business mindset and I said, you know, I'm actually the family member here who's responsible for my parents. Um, I was POA, power of attorneys, uh, along with one of my brothers and I started to think of myself as the CEO of the care team for my parents. Wasn't my job to provide the care. It was my job to oversee, make sure they were getting the care, make sure all the communication was happening, make sure the team was in place. The team was doing what the team needed to do. All the different types of doctors, all the prescriptions, all the specialists, the uh, adult care folks, every, everyone. Wow. Okay. Everyone. Yes. Yes. Thank you for calling that out. Physical therapists. Um, the other thing people yeah. don't realize is when, when someone moves in, so much, we eventually then moved my dad into assisted living in the same community. Um, he had type two diabetes. They don't provide the, the insulin shots. So we had to bring home health in to do that. So when you move someone into a home, that doesn't mean they take care of absolutely everything you're still bringing in the outside services that you would have to bring if they were living at home. Really? Yeah, that I did not know. Wow. Yeah. Unless they're in a, a, a place, a skilled nursing, which people used to call nursing homes. Okay. Um, nursing homes is an old school term. Don't use that. <laughs> okay. Uh, skilled nursing. Also, I, do. I did not know yep. that also. <laughs> yeah. Skilled nursing means that they are, they have medical care available 24 seven. Within their facility. Yeah. Within, yep. Um, assisted living is basically a living at home, but in a group environment, like apartment sort of living where meals are served in a community style, there's activities, there's oversight. They do have RNs and um, they do pass meds and things like that. So they manage all of that. Um, but if it if it's anything specialized like giving shots, they don't do that. Um, mm. Now, every facility is a little bit different. So, you know, I need right. to have that caveat out there. But what I realized, and it was little things, Matt, it was like... I'm going to admit that I'm a, I'm a drug smuggler now. So I, <laughs> there was a time that my dad's Ambien prescription ran out. He'd been on Ambien for 10, 12, 14 years. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Without it, um, they could not get the long-term care pharmacy and the assisted living could not coordinate to get his Ambien over that day for whatever reason. Somebody dropped the ball somewhere. I don't know who it was. I didn't care. What I did was I took my husband's Ambien and I sat <laughs> in <laughs> and I gave my dad Ambien every night until oh, they sorted wow. it out. And those right. are the things that, you know, as the CEO of the care team, you have to, you have to be in the know and in communication for um, the quality of care to be there. And that's what right. Serenity is about. Yeah, so talk more about um, Serenity, the solution, what you created to solve this issue of how do 
how do we coordinate all of these different people and tasks and all that? Yeah. So, um, first of all, I must say, and anyone in senior care will say this, they are about, this industry is about 10 years behind in technology. Mm. So when you start looking at senior care models, it's a very hospitality driven model. It's not a technology driven model. Um, And when I realized that there are so many places for communication to drop with all the people that you're trying to coordinate care with, and they're not communicating with each other, and they're not proactively communicating with family either, which leaves family kind of feeling out of the loop. And and we all start to wonder. Um, I I realized that we've solved a lot of these problems in the corporate world. Um, Geographically dispersed teams, we've solved the communication problem for that. We've solved the communication problem for siloed uh, departments or or companies cross-collaborating. And I thought, why don't we take some of the things that we've learned there and apply it to this domain? Yeah. And you can't do it. You can't just take those tools and apply them to this domain because this domain is very complex. It's a combination of hospitality, real estate, healthcare, um, among many other things. But those are kind of the three industries sort of melded together. Yeah, which all have their own regulations, requirements, laws. Yeah. Yes. So it it is very domain specific. So we took those principles, though, and we created a messaging platform that's HIPAA compliant that that allows the communities. And so I'll say a a long-term senior care community would be the buyer for Serenity. Um, They would offer this messaging service to the families. Mm -hmm. and And that allows the families to have access to the care team. So now I can message the care team when I want to ask them a question, they can respond. Usually there's some sort of agreement in place that they'll respond within four hours or eight hours. It, it doesn't have to be instant because these people are running around doing a lot of things. Right. But it solves that problem of the, the phone tag that can go on literally for a week or two or lost email threads, and that happens a lot, or emailing someone at a generic email address like, wellness director at seniorcarecenter.com. Right. <laughs> you don't know who you're talking to. And as a family member, we, we want to know who's on the other end of this, who's reading it. Because I want to say, hi, Alice, or, you know, I don't want to say, hi, wellness director. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. You want some personal uh, touch and relationship to be there. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. you know, I, for me, it's about we really need to stop in the senior care industry and rethink our family communication. So 80% of lawsuits that are brought against communities are brought by family members and are related to lack of or poor communication. 80%. Wow. 80%. We can stop that. We can absolutely drop that number. There's always going to be people who are going to um, be litigious. But we can drop that number down to next to nothing if we just proactively talk to the family, share with the family what's going on. It's when, as human beings, here's the psychology part, as human beings, when we don't know what's happening because we can't physically be there, um, 
we can trust for a while, but pretty soon that trust erodes if we aren't hearing the things we want to hear. And I guarantee you, there will be a point where you call up mom or dad or spouse or um, aunt or whoever you have, your loved one, Mm -hmm. and you say, how's it going? And they say, oh, they haven't fed me in days. I haven't been showered in weeks and nobody's been here to visit me in months. And it's not true. It's an inaccurate report. However, it's what they believe in their heart. Right. That's where their mind space is. If you're a family member in another state and you hear that from dad, you're going to be on the phone. What the heck is going on there? So the consistent communication and the, Hey, your dad did great today. Here's a picture of your dad. Um, You know, here's the activities that we did today. I found out after my mom passed that, and both my parents passed last year. um, I found out after both of their passings, actually, some of the things that they had been doing that I never knew. I never knew about. And I wish I would have known because it also would have given me as the family member something to talk with them on the phone about when I couldn't actually be there. To, to say, hey, dad, I, I heard that you went and you played poker with the, the poker group tonight. Tell me, did you win? What, you know, what game was your favorite game? Who, who do you like there? Do you have some allies? Do you have some nemesis? You know, we could have just had a conversation. Right. Instead of, and, and it could have been more meaningful than, oh, I'm sorry that you feel like no one's visited you, dad. I was there yesterday and we had sub sandwiches. You know, it feels like it's a whole different feel of conversation. Yeah. It reminds them, you can, you know, you can remind them that, uh, of all the things that occurred. And everything. Yes. Yeah. I'm so sorry for, uh, for your losses last year. Thank you. It, it's been, um, it's been interesting. It's been a journey. We kind of talked about early on in this podcast that that long goodbye can be really hard. Yeah. Uh, went through it with mom and it was a good long span. You lose bits of them through the process. Yeah. Um, and at the end, my mom was uh, nonverbal for the last two years of her life. Oh, wow. And she didn't recognize me at all. But I feel that she had a spark in her that knew that I was someone who loved her and that's all I cared about. So. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. My, um, I've never had a f- family member that has, uh, dealt with like full Al- Alzheimer's, but my grandfather certainly had pretty, uh, I don't know what stage, but, uh, dementia. And yeah. There were times where it was like, wow, there's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's tragic. It's really tough to be around. So, uh, you're, I acknowledge you for staying strong and positive and actually creating something like serenity app to help, you know, foster a more friendly, loving communicative environment for that situation. Thank you. Yes. It, it can be a very difficult time for families. And I've always believed, honestly, that um, communities should have a social worker assigned to every family the moment a resident moves in. Mm-hmm. Because so much that happens and families don't know and they aren't aware what the processes are and we're left to just discover it on our own most right. of the time. Right, 
And um, that's why I think, you know, we really need to rethink the the family and care team coordination and communication and families. You have the opportunity to do this. If you have a loved one in a, in a senior care community, step up and say, I want to be a care partner. I want to know how are you going to communicate with me? How are we going to make this a win-win for both of us? I'm not putting mom or dad or spouse in here to have you just take care of them and me go on with my life. I love them and I, I'm here for them and I want to be a partner in this. Right. Um, and that's really, really important. And I have to say that perception is reality. The other side to this is if family doesn't hear from you um, as the community, if family doesn't hear from you, we're going to make up the worst. Not intentionally, it's human nature. So give us an opportunity to see the amazing quality of care that you're providing that we don't see on a daily basis. Yeah. And, you know, another example of that is, is what we're all working through right now. Being in communication, having Zoom conversations, um, you know, sorry, I just got a notice on my phone here. Uh, <laughs> Zoom conversations, having calls with friends, that's important right now. Being, you know, being, uh, uh, you know, just being in touch. Uh, it's much, much more difficult to not do that and just be all in your head and watch the disastrous news every day and, and everything. So Yeah, so, and become um, isolated and depressed. And yeah, I'll, exactly. I'll say just one thing to that, and I know we want to wrap up. Um, we I also uh, podcast and do Facebook Lives in the senior care industry. We interview trailblazers in senior care right. about what they're doing to make change for the future. And um, we discussed with one of them how the COVID-19 uh, shelter in, in place um, orders that are in effect for almost all of the United States now. If you think about how it's affected you, magnify that by a thousand. And that's what an older adult feels when they move into a residential care community. Wow. They go out, they don't, and they aren't as tech savvy, many of them, that's mm-hmm. generalization, but many of them are not as tech savvy to be able to just hop on Zoom. So, right. Yeah, uh, exactly. yeah you, you're very isolated. You're very cut off from the things you've known and loved all your life. So mm-hmm. uh, hopefully that, that helps people create some empathy for yeah. how it would feel. Yes. And uh, what's the name of your podcast where you talk about uh, that? Yeah. So it's separate from Serenity. It's a whole, whole separate thing. It's called Mavericks of Senior Living. Okay. And I have a co-podcaster, Francis Lugasi. And okay. He's in the industry. He owns eight memory care homes. So he's the domain expert. I'm more on the technical side and the care side and the family side. So right. we, bring, we bring both sides to the conversation. And it's That's really great. interesting to talk with the amazing leaders out there who are really blazing trails. Yeah. So the listeners should absolutely check out uh, Mavericks in senior Mavericks, Mavericks of Senior Living. Of Senior Living, yep. Okay. Uh, check out that podcast. And then with regard to Serenity, is this a product that um, me as a caretaker brings to the conversation or is it a facility driven conversation? How do people um, get in touch? How do they help spread the word? You know, if I I want this as part of my, you know, um, care team uh, for somebody I love, how do I, how do I go about doing that? If you're a family member, 
go to the community, talk to the executive director and say, I want a way to communicate with you via HIPAA compliant messaging. I have an app here that I know about. I, if you're not already using it, I would like for you to use it. This is how I want to start communicating with you. Okay. If you're a community, you should already be, especially in COVID-19, looking for tools that allow you to have better communication with family. Yeah. So go if you're a community, please go look at serenityapp.com. Um, we're, we're actually in the middle of rebranding to Serenity Engage. So you can Google serenityapp.com or serenityengage.com and they'll take you to the same place. And right now during COVID-19 lockdowns, family are not allowed into the facilities. No. So, excuse me. So Serenity is offering three months, no contracts, no commitments. Use it free. Just get the family connected. That is my number one goal during this time. Keep the family connected to the care team. And this is especially important, crucial when um, you can't trust mom or dad's self-report anymore. So if mom's in memory care or dad has dementia or um, you just call up and, and you get the non-truth, <laughs> but, right. but you get their state of mind, yeah. <laughs> this is when it is absolutely crucial that the care team is in communication with family. Yeah, so key. Wow. And not... Well, phone tag and crazy email threads that everybody loses track of. Yeah. Well, that's great. I, um, is such a incredible product and so timely right now, especially as you mentioned, uh, ways to stay in communication and keep the care going, especially when we physically are not able to go into these facilities because they're the most at risk. Um, a yeah. uh, couple last questions here. What, uh, working with Rob again uh, on, on a project, what are, are you guys doing anything differently? Have you put in place any structures, accountabilities <laughs> that kind of keep, uh, keep the flow? Yes. <laughs> first, talk about we, that. Uh, first, we had a really long talk about how we would manage it in our marriage and our relationship. And then how we would create that relation, the working relationship mm. um, in at, at uh, co-families, he was the CEO and I was his worker bee. <laughs> okay. um, Serenity is my company, so I'm the CEO and he's actually doing what he also loves to do. He's a great CEO. He's an amazing businessman, amazing strategist, and he's also a phenomenally incredible engineer, software engineer. He wrote the code for most of his products, um, several of which had big hits, especially in the dot-com era. So he's kind of back to doing that right now, and he's loving it. And then he puts his head up, and we talk about strategy, and then he kind of goes back, and I run the business side. Um, so I, I think, too, we've matured in the 10 years we've been married. So um, right. you know, as a couple, we've matured, and we've been able to navigate conflict and and head off issues before they become big issues much yeah. better than we could have at our early stage of marriage. That's so great. it's actually been quite fun and it's enriched our relationship, which is a surprise, a wonderful surprise to me. Yeah, that's incredible. And uh, two very successful, well-known uh, entrepreneurs and 
certainly in the Colorado market, but I'm sure uh, nationally as well uh, with some of the companies you guys have been at. Uh, teamed up. I cannot wait to see what you guys do with Serenity, Serenity Engage. Um, so, <laughs> and to have such passion for what you're working on too is just going to do nothing but make that even more successful. So, Thank you, Matt. I'm really totally out to transform the way we partner around our older adults. That's great. That's great. Well, thank you so much for uh, your time this morning. I'll let you uh, get back to it and stay safe, stay healthy, and hopefully we can actually sit across and have a coffee uh, face-to-face soon. I look forward to that. Thank you so much. (laughs) I appreciate you. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.